Welcome to another RFC episode. This is John, an engineer at Artsy. I'm joined today by a couple other engineers. Anna, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey guys, I'm Anna. I'm an engineer here at Artsy, part of uh, this core podcast crew that we're recording this request for comment episode with. I work on the partner experience team, which means uh, any of the products that our gallery partners or auction house partners use. And I'm Matt Dole. I am an engineer on the find and explore team, but formerly on the partner experience team, which is why I'm here today, because we're going to talk about Volt, which is near and dear to my technical heart. Yeah, I, I too spent some time with Volt. And so I'm currently on the grow team, but I spent some time tech leading the, I think it was called partners team or galleries team. It's gone through some evolution as has Volt. So this is a part of our tech stack that we don't always get to spend a lot of time talking about. Because of the nature of it, it's not really compatible with open source. It's a little bit more of a closed source kind of project, but that doesn't mean we can't talk about its architecture and some of the choices we've made. And so we're going to attempt that today. Sounds great. As someone who's relatively new to the team and new to Artsy, I would love sort of you to give an overview of Volt. What is it? And maybe a quick overview of, of what the stack looks like. Yeah, love it. So I am... Going to do my best. There are parts of the history of Volt that I just don't know about because it predates me my time at Artsy, but I think I can model my way through. So I'll start by describing it in the context of actually three projects at Artsy. So we talk about Force. Force is like the Artsy.net project that is the website that people interact with. Gravity is like the API server that Force talks with. I'm simplifying a bit there. And then Volt is like the other end of, of this V of, of projects. So like gravity is in the middle of the V, forces on one side and Volt is on the other. And I characterize it that way because like when you go to artsy.net and you look at an artwork page, that content was entered into Volt, sucked into the API and then consumed from the API by force. So we, we sometimes also call Volt our CMS because from a partner's point of view, from a gallery's point of view, that is where they're entering artist information, artwork information, et cetera, that then gets surfaced on artsy.net for people to purchase or inquire about, et cetera. So that's kind of the, the three prongs of this architecture. And the API in the middle of gravity is kind of like the middleman that connects the dots. That was not always the way. Gravity started out as like a monolithic Rails application that kind of like did all of this. And then things were extracted from it. Volt is one of those extractions. And so unlike maybe your traditional Rails application that like has a database and is kind of self-contained, Volt is a little bit of an oddball that it like doesn't have a Postgres database, for example. Instead, it has a layer in it that is like a Rails engine. This project is called Kinetic and it tries to pretend that when you do like partner.artworks or something that you're hitting, you know, like the traditional Rails kind of stack. But instead, what it's doing is sending API calls under the hood to Gravity and then sucking back the JSON into essentially hashes that are that are wrapped in Kinetic. And then you can pretend, you know, in your view layer that, that that's like a normal like active record kind of type kind of object. So that's where it sort of started. As things evolved on Force and Artsy.net, 
where we started to use tools like React, Relay, TypeScript. Some of that stuff started to leak back into Vault and inform some of the things you wanted to do there. Matt, does that jive with your understanding? Did I miss anything? Any questions? Yeah, I think that's a good summary of the the long history of Volt. I think the way that I tend to think about it is like it is a core part of Artsy. It is how artworks and artists and shows and most of the things that Artsy's gallery partners are doing on a day to day basis get onto Artsy. And so like any app that is a really core part of a business, it's been around for a while and it kind of tends to become, in my experience, these hybrid Frankenstein creatures. So like you were saying, John, Volt started out as a Ruby on Rails application. And even from the beginning, it was maybe a little unusual. But then we started to really get weird with it. And now it's made up of you know, it's Ruby and Rails and like Hamel views and some, you know, legacy coffee script stuff for, for UI interaction. But then more modern Volt is done via React. We have Relay for client-side GraphQL requests. We have TypeScript. And so it really does, I kind of love it as this sort of like, you know, you look at the tree and you see the rings of, of how it was, you know, aged over time that's kind of what volt feels like where you can see oh yeah so you know eight years ago when this was started nine maybe now we did you know we were a ruby on rails shop and then at some point we said "Mm, react and then we kind of said what about relay and typescript and all of those things are present in in volt under this one roof which is both great and terrible because it means at any given time you might you know, if you are assigned a particular task or you want to do something in a particular part of Volt, you might find yourself working in, you know, Ruby or Haml or React or CoffeeScript or JavaScript. Like it really runs the gamut. There's a lot of technologies present in Volt. There's definitely a little bit of that kind of like Frankenstein vibe to developing in Volt. And Matt, I know when I first joined the team, you kind of helped onboard me and I'd love sort of uh, to go a little bit deeper in the that sort of like Frankenstein Frankenstein architecture and talk briefly about how we go about developing new features and this sort of concept of incremental change, which I think John, you were also a big part of sort of creating that that way of developing in Volt. So yeah, maybe Matt or or either of you actually can briefly talk about how we do that when we add new things and building off of all these old technologies and sort of injecting our new ones. Yeah, happy to to touch on that briefly and then pass over to John for even more context. So yeah, kind of my my favorite thing about Volt is how we, and I didn't come up with this method, this was before my time and John, maybe you were more involved with it, but the fact that we have lots of little React apps living within Volt. So how this works on a, on a high level is we actually add a, like, a, I guess it's a, a pack tag is the, the phrase I know, but I guess that's a web pack tag. I'm not, I'm not an expert there, um, but we add a, a like pack tag to a Haml file, right? And Volt from day one was like rendering Haml views. So you're rendering a Haml view, but now it has this pack tag in it. And that pack tag is where we then pass props from the like the kind of Ruby land to borrow John's phrase from Ruby land uh, over to 
React, and then some of those props that get passed from the, the server to the client will inform how we go about rendering a, a React page. So it's, it's really hard to talk about without like a visual example, you know, I kind of wish this was a podcast that we could do well, you know, like screen sharing or something, because yeah, it's, it's, I, you know, I feel like if I were hearing this for the first time, I would just be like, (laughs) I have no idea what you mean. Like, what are you talking about? Um, But yeah, John, go ahead. Yeah. So, so I would say that something like the story of React and modernizing Volt is, is also connected to the story of like how the Rails ecosystem has embraced Volt and how they have evolved from the asset pipeline into supporting other ways to compile and serve your assets, including good, like pretty built-in support now for Webpack. So you're right that we have these, you know, like our, our approach to having React in um, Volt is very tied to what Rails gives us. And so there's this whole pipeline of you request a page, it goes through a Rails controller, it maybe makes some API calls to Gravity. We have a set of JSON that we call props that goes from controller to view and then is like serialized into the DOM. And then a this like pack tag rehydrates that into something that um, React DOM can then ingest and boot the React side of the house. Um, and so everything's happening client side at that point. Um, so we're not doing any kind of like server side stuff with um, that, that I'm aware of in Vault in terms of React. It's all kind of just like booted up once you, um, you know, serialize that stuff to the DOM. Yeah. And one bit that I'll add in there too is just that part of what's very cool about the incremental approach that Anna mentioned is, uh, you know, I remember very explicitly a conversation we had on the team a couple of years back about, okay, do we need to make sure that all, you know, like if we're working on a page, we may have like converted it fully from, you know, the old Hamel and and Ruby style to react. And we said, good God, that's going to take us forever. We're never going to build anything. Every project we ever want to work too on high a bar. is just going to, yeah, it's way too high of a bar. We're just going to get totally, you know, slowed down by this and it's going to be terrible. So we said, no, we don't want to like enforce that we need to completely, you know, modernize any part of our stack, right? We don't like, if, let's say we want to work on the shows view, which we haven't touched for a while. So it's all still, you know, Hamel, Ruby, a bit of coffee script but we only want to work on a very specific part of it. We don't want to force ourselves to convert that entire part of Volt into React. Instead, what we do is we kind of like grab the specific thing we want to change and we give that its own little pack tag and we build out a little React app and it works, which is really amazing. So when you load, you know, CMS, what you're actually seeing is, you know, on any given page might be a combination of these kind of technologies that have been used throughout the years in Volt. And that's really enabled us, I think, to simultaneously like work toward a more modern Volt that is consistent and will, you know, I love, maybe someday we'll we'll have this fully React and Relay, you know, version of Volt. But in the meantime, we're still able to build with pretty modern technologies and with our preferred stack of, you know, TypeScript and Relay and all these things I keep mentioning without having to like reinvent the wheel every single time. And I think that's a really crucial part of how partner experience has been able to like keep building cool stuff without also, you know, spending six months every time trying to, you know, really 
like redo an entire part of the site. I want to maybe touch on the testing story just a bit, because I think it is kind of unusual in the React ecosystem too. So one of the cool things about Volt is the fact that it's a Rails application. And so it inherits some of the cool stuff that you get in terms of like booting up a, uh, an, an actual browser and like surfing your app and being able to do assertions in Capybara and like test end to end in that way. So for example, Matt was describing a situation where maybe an engineer has got a ticket to work on a like a legacy page and they're going to inject some part of that as being a React app. So that, that engineer could very easily work in isolation on just that component, have some just specs that stress those components, but then could kind of go back and go go up a level into the integration stack and actually add like a system test is what Rails calls it, where Chrome is spun up headless and then those interactions are done with that real browser. And so we can get that kind of like end-to-end confidence while still having tight, quick, fast, just specs. We can kind of like have both. So that's kind of a cool thing. And I hope it's something that we kind of keep and like continue with. Well, I think it's a pretty cool feature. Yeah, I, I, I think that that is definitely really helpful and gives a lot of peace of mind to developing in Volt. It's interesting. We have been talking about starting to think more sort of holistically and intentionally about converting Volt more and more onto our modern tech stack. And me even talking sort of pie in the sky, what is the dream state of Volt? And it was brought up in this conversation that we had with various members of the team and also former former members of uh, Partner Experience that the dream could be one day having no Ruby, having a fully React app and having no, no Rails. And I do think that we, my sense is that we would lose that end-to-end testing capability. So it's definitely something to keep in mind because I think that that is one of is a really great feature of Volt. Yeah, I mean, there are solutions for end-to-end testing that are not tied to some of these tools. Cypress is probably the one that was talked about. And that's certainly a valid way to go. In fact, there's a pretty notable Rails consultancy test double that has done a lot of work on like a Rails Cypress uh, package or gem. So, so there's even some, some stuff there that could be looked at. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's something to think about. I think that we ultimately, you know, landed on its higher priority to convert as much of our you know, views are more of our like Hamel and, and views to react and then go back and kind of look at how we're doing the server side stuff. But it's uh, it was an interesting conversation. Another thing that came up that I'm interested in your guys' thoughts on is sort of this relationship between passing in data from props, as you mentioned. So as as John mentioned, we do a lot of our data fetching in Rails controllers and then pass that into Haml files uh, and then sort of use these props to, like John said, hydrate the React components that they're rendering. As we've sort of moved on to Relay doing client-side fetching, we start to pass, I guess, less and less data from those props and do more of that fetching client side once you're already in the React component. And we've sort of run into this interesting sort of balance of what you are then passing in a Rails controller and what you are fetching via Relay in in the React app. 
And yeah, I'd love kind of your guys' thoughts. I know that John, from sort of the documentation that I saw that you had created of how to build an app in Vault and sort of walks through this flow that Matt outlined. At that time, I don't think that we were using Relay yet. That's right. Right. So what's kind of your take on that balance between between doing this data fetching server side in a controller versus and Relay on the client? Yeah, it's a great question. And I don't know that I have great concrete answers. Um, one thing I'll note is that our, like the vast majority of Artsy's experience when it comes to like force, like artsy.net is really about essentially displaying JSON. You know, it's not really tied to forms. It's not really about like interactions in that sense. We do mutations, don't get me wrong, but Volt is very form heavy. It's very, you know, we have like these God objects in, in our ecosystem. You mentioned a lot of them already, artworks, artists, shows, those kinds of things. So anyway, there's lots of forms tied around these things. So we, we, we can dig in a little bit. I mentioned a V where they meet is this project Gravity. It's actually not the whole story. Gravity is our API server. It has a V1 and a V2, but there's also uh, like a proxy server called Metaphysics that is our GraphQL layer. And again, that is very informed by artsy.net usage, force usage, where it's very about like reading from the database. There are mutations, but it doesn't have things like a mutation to update or create an artwork because that's not something you'd ever would do in force, but it is something you would do in Vault. And, and so there's this tension around like, does a GraphQL mutation exist? Well, if it doesn't exist, then like Relay can't quite fit some of our needs. And so what are we going to do? Are we going to like add the mutation? Are we going to add it to Metaphysics, are we going to spin up a new GraphQL proxy that's more partner-focused? I don't know what the answers are to these questions, but like to, to like do incremental improvement, I just ignored them and I would do whatever I could in the Rails stack to accomplish whatever I need to accomplish. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, my dream for Volt is that we basically get to like do all the things that make sense client-side on the client-side. And we get to just like leave the rest of it server. And somehow that's all, you know, simple and elegant, which uh, is probably not the case. But I, I think that, John, your point about how many, how many kind of like entry, like things we want to save from Volt there are and how complicated those can be. And we recently built an application that was kind of an interesting like middle ground where it was this this partner checklist. So we wanted to kind of keep track of had partners, not not keep track of, we wanted to help partners like see the things that would be most impactful for them to do on Artsy. So, hey, this artwork has a high likelihood of selling, go update, you know, like show the price on it or add some more images, like do these things that are going to really like boost that likelihood even further so that you're making sales. And so that you know that, out of your thousand artworks on Artsy, you should go focus on these five, right? Because you probably don't have time to update a thousand in a day. So this was an example of an app where we wanted to do a lot on the client. We wanted to fetch pretty much all of the data on the client and anything that we wanted to, to save, you know, we didn't want to be like loading new pages and stuff, but there were still some things that we said, oh, we should get these from the server at, at load time. And I don't know, maybe Anna, you can remember examples of this better than, than I can right now, but it was like, it was a mix, right? And, and so I think that's kind of like, I, I don't see there being a world where like, Bolt is all client side or something. Like, I think there's just some things that are always gonna make sense to do server side. 
but I also love the the like you know type safety and usability that you often get from from putting relay and and running these like GraphQL queries and stuff on the client. So yeah, Anna, any thoughts? Yeah, Matt, something that we, so I know that we were using, first of all, I think at a high level passing in, if you're using, if you're using Relay in the React component, passing in sort of IDs, like something, a very common pattern that we have is for a gallery partner who wants to view their list of viewing rooms or artworks or shows, as we mentioned, passing the ID in of the gallery from the server and then using that ID of the partner to pull in via Relay, via metaphysics through the GraphQL query to get in the that list of, say, artworks, viewing rooms, shows. That, I think, is a pattern that makes a lot of sense and is something that we, I think, are leaning towards using as this kind of archetype for how we're going to develop you know, going forward. Something that was sort of interesting with the checklist project that, Matt, you were leading was using Redis and using Redis to store IDs for... We had a feature in the check. I have a feature in the checklist that allows you to ignore items in the list. So, say there's an item there that if gallery doesn't want to update, they can press ignore, and then they won't see in their list for 30 days. I think we said so. So we needed to keep track of those those IDs of artworks that a gallery was ignoring, and then in sort of the opposite way, if a gallery so is showing five works in their checklist, we also wanted to keep track of what those five works were. So that when we then show them that list again, we want to make sure that it's the same five and not just the, sort of this full list of maybe, you know, even hundreds of works that fulfill the requirements of what being in the checklist is. So Matt led this development of, of incorporating these Redis tables or I don't know what are the Redis stores in Volt. And we did that in the controller and passing in those IDs for both ignored artworks and artworks that you'd want to include via the controller. And then by the time you, that you're in the React component, they render, they, they are used client side in the relay query to pull those in from, like we said, from metaphysics and from gravity. So that was sort of an interesting pattern, but it is, we did sort of run into this weird kind of in-between sort of feeling of uh, if there's user interactions that happen on the page that allows you to sort of ignore works but then if you're already in the react component you aren't unless you're refreshing the page you're not making that server request again to get a keep track of those redis ids so yeah it was sort of an interesting debate of this sort of client side versus server side decision but i think that's something that we'll probably run into going forward and maybe running into these things will cause us to form opinions about what belongs where but it's going to take experiencing these things to come up with those opinions that's that's my sense yeah and i think every time it's also just like so fascinating sort of what like those kinds of decisions and how they how they end up panning out but yeah i agree i think we've we're learning a lot as we're going but it's cool to see as we you know matt you kind of started this i think you were on the team early on when we started using relay kind of a relay pioneer as we've used that more in volt we're starting to have more and more of these isolated React yeah. apps that are kind of in the dream state and a process that Steve, uh, another engineer on our team that you probably heard on the podcast, have been working on is actually creating a V1 and a V2 folder in mm. Volt for our JavaScript React files to help indicate, actually really to help like developers coming onto the team, rotating through, but also for us to keep track of what's kind of in the dream state. 
and get that satisfaction of, oh, this, this is the component that uses this pattern that we talked about that John really helpfully outlined for us, which is, you know, going from controller to Haml and injecting a React app, but then also using Relay in the way that we hope to use Relay going forward. So it's, it definitely feels really good to continue having more and more parts of the, of the app that are in, in that state. Well, and I think, Anna, you pointed out a really important element here, which is developer experience, right? Volt can be really weird to start developing it. It can be very hard to get used to, and you just kind of don't really know what you're looking at sometimes because, as we've talked about, there's a, a real mix of, of technologies and sort of, you know, epochs at Artsy contained in this one app. So as a developer, especially if you are new to Volt, it can be pretty overwhelming. And I haven't heard about this initiative to, to work towards, you know, organizing and structuring them. But I love that idea because, yeah, you just don't often know, like, so is this, you know, a pattern that I should be copying elsewhere? Or is this actually kind of outdated? Or what is my what is my goal here? So I'd be curious if if you all have other thoughts as well on how maybe we can improve and and continue to make it you know easier and uh, easier to get used to Volt and to work on Volt and to modernize Volt going forward. In addition to just like what we want it to be, but how do we actually get there? It's tricky. I mean, I think I've one of the things I've learned while working at Artsy is like making choices that are good for a larger team not necessarily choices that you would make for yourself. And I think some of these tools and like keeping the developer experience consistent across applications, I've grown to understand its importance so that when an engineer rotates through or is, is onboarding, being able to jump from artsy.net force to Volt, like there's a ton of value in making that developer experience consistent. And, and, and so choosing a tool like Relay on the front side of the house and on the um, CMS side of the house, I think makes a ton of sense. Getting there is a process of improvement over consistency. Yeah, I think that that value. So one of the values at Artsy is impact over perfection. And I think that Volt really embodies that so well, because there's a lot of decisions that we make that are optimized for actually just building something new versus going back and and sort of ripping things out and getting rid of old parts of the stack. Yeah, I mean, on, on that note, I'd love to sort of explore quickly some of the drawbacks of this architecture and what makes it Volt kind of, like we said, really challenging for developers. I, I'm coming into Artsy with very little experience as a developer period. So really new to programming in general. So, you know, my, my, I'm trained in React and Ruby on Rails. So the days that I have to go and look at CoffeeScript or Haml, I'm like, I don't know how to do this. And it definitely creates a little bit overhead there. And then the other thing that comes up a lot is Matt had mentioned that there's pages that actually have multiple React, app, React apps in, mm. in them. So you're in, you're, as a user, you're, you're looking at one page and you might be seeing something in you know, Haml, you might be seeing something in React. And that definitely creates a, the way that it looks is not consistent. So we're not able to use some of our most updated design components coming from Palette, which is our design system that we use across, uh, across all the artsy surfaces. Um, so some of it looks a little bit 
Frankenstein from on the outside too, which is not the best. But any other challenges and drawbacks that you guys see from this architecture? I have one thought. It's like, I love the ideal of impact over perfection and uh, improvement over consistency. But I think there's a tipping point. I think we're reaching it in force. We have done a lot of migration of code from <laughs> from different um, stacks and design systems over the years on force. And there's been some effort afoot lately to just like, just migrate some pages. We aren't even necessarily adding features. We're, we're, we're like just moving things over. And it's because like there's some, there's some like cost to having some parts of rt.net in an old style while the vast majority is in the new style. And I think, I think there's, there's going to be this tipping point in Volt. I don't think we're there yet, but it's certainly something to ponder or like watch out for of like, is there too much cost in not biting the bullet and migrating certain sections of Volt? I don't know. Again, I don't know what the answer is. I think, I think this is something that the team should be thinking about though, is like, it could be that we can be disciplined in our impact over perfection to a certain point. And then it's like that discipline is actually costing us and we should be migrating the rest of it or choosing some kind of threshold to say, okay, now this, this, this page is going to be the next one. I don't know any thoughts about that. Yeah, I think that this has this really came up in conversation for us a lot of, you know, should we be devoting whether it's parts of our sprint, like our 20% time, or even like, you know, stop, we probably wouldn't do this, but stop feature work for a sprint or two and just really devote it to like conversion work um, versus, you know, if you're touching a file, you should be trying to convert it into our updated palette or convert it to React or that kind of more incremental or what we do now, which is really honestly none of these things. So only if we're developing something new, are we building it in React? And I think that there's a lot of levels of that. So yeah, I'd love to hear kind of your guys' take on how to how to, how to really think about that. Cause I think all of us understand that we're, you know, really optimizing for building features really quickly. There's a lot of business need to build new things and it's hard to advocate from a product and business perspective why converting old code is important. Yeah, I do think that there is a, a tipping point, like John said, where you it, it's hard to put a finger exactly on what it's costing either, you know, the company in like monetary terms, right? Or what it's costing us in, in terms of like brand, but there is a tipping point where your like system that is, you know, looks several different ways and, you know, there's several different developer experiences kind of inside of it. At what point are you actually like reducing developer efficiency by, you know, X amount or reducing partner trust, right? You know, have you ever been to a website and you're like, what is this sketchy corner of this site that like, does not look like the rest of it. And yet they're asking me to put my credit card details in here. <laughs> yeah. Like, where am I? Um, you don't want that, right? You don't want to be the site that's like, well, this really important part of our infrastructure, we haven't touched in five years because it hasn't broken and we just can't touch it anymore. You know, like that doesn't, that doesn't feel good. So I also don't think that Bolt is there yet, but I agree that we are going to need to, at some point, do more than we are now. I think that the way that this has been shaking out in force is like, basically there are just a couple of devs who like just have been working on this, you know, kind of consistently. And like care. <laughs> yeah. They've just been like, you know, the people who have kind of been like 
okay, we're going to work on like modernizing these things. And I frankly don't have a ton of insight into like how their teams have, have like prioritized that if their teams have said, oh, we're going to just like, you know, devote X amount of our resources, or if it's been more of a like understanding of like, this needs to happen, someone needs to do it, you're interested in it, go for it. But I foresee something like that needing to happen with Volt too, where there are going to need to be people who are just working on, because these are not shallow projects. This is, no. this is like pretty significant work, especially when we're talking about moving from, you know, original like Haml and Ruby functionality to, you know, React. There's, there's design thinking, there's product thinking, like those are unfortunately not small things to do. So I think there's just going to have to be like dedicated resources and, it's sort of up to us if there's a point when we want to really argue for that or say, okay, like try to, try to clarify the ways in which it is costing artsy, you know, money or brand trust or other things that, that I'm missing right now. There's something there too, Matt, because like when we're trying to justify the work that some of those engineers you're mentioning are doing on migrating um, force code, like we can point to things like SEO, like speed, like performance, as like, even if we get no new features out of this migration work, we will get some boost in some of these areas. That doesn't exactly kind of like map to Volt. Volt is not indexed in any way. It's all assigned in experience. And like, we care about performance, of course, but we don't really put the same kind of emphasis on it in CMS that, that we do in Force because we don't have like that SEO feedback loop of like, hey, your page is super slow and Google could downrank you because of that. So I don't know, there's like some missing pressure that, that, that we don't have in Volt. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was really hard to in this conversation to weigh the, the two sort of arguments are, one is like, yes, to partners, sometimes it looks bad and it looks weird. But what you're touching on also is that Volt just does, or, or CMS just doesn't have the volume of users even close to the volume totally. that collectors have. Like the with Force, it's just, you know, that's really not, the purpose of this app. So that's it's hard to, like you said, make a strong argument there. But then also developer experience, speed, um, that's kind of where I think it's, it can be a little bit easier to try to make these arguments. With that said, I think it's hard to make the developer experience uh, argument from a business perspective. But the speed argument, I think, is very real. When it comes up, mm. it's very rare that we do have a bug or something that we need to fix in a part of the stack that might be in Cop CoffeeScript or Haml or something really old. But when there is, none of us have any idea how to fix it. Totally. And that takes time and that takes a lot of you know effort from all different parts of the team to try to figure out. Um, and the other thing with Volt that I think is challenging, I don't know, I think it's a pro and a con, but the amount of context switching that is required to develop in Volt is, can be challenging and kind of a hurdle. It's interesting as we start to, from what I understand, be we're onboarding more specialist engineers to the team, so more front-end focused engineers, more back-end focused engineers. It's really hard to develop in Volt if you're not full stack, sure. <laughs> because most features really require working across the stack, which for someone who's more junior like me and is trying to really develop my skills in both areas is amazing. But I would imagine like that- Escalates the complexity. Yeah. And also, again, like I have to, you know, I, you know, sometimes feel a little more comfortable in front end code, but like I very frequently have to work on back end code in Volt for the same features. This it's sort of an interesting conversation of as we scale that argument, because I think it becomes more compelling because 
you know, our stack is more modern. It requires less of that context switching and requires less of that work, us working on code and languages that none of us know. One more thought here, which is one of the first times we used React in Volt was on the artwork form. So this is maybe obvious, but wasn't obvious to me at the time. One of the actually the hottest code paths in all of Artsy, this is a form where a partner enters artwork information. We are always changing the rules. We are always seemingly tinkering with it. And so the, the way that Rup and I thought about putting React in was like, this is an investment, but it's going to pay off because it's going to make it cheaper to change the form in the future. And so I think maybe one way you guys could think about it is like that bar was high and is and should be continuing to go down the investment calculus so so that you you are continuing to like glob more of volt into the the new style exactly and and the question is which surfaces are most used by our partners which surfaces are most used by us as developers and we're looking to prioritize those pages and those parts of our code base so one of the next steps that we have been talking about is doing sort of a, as quick as possible, but a sort of an audit of what our different pages are and what's what they're made of. And then once you see those pages, oh, wow, like this is a page that we're developing on pretty frequently and it's still really not modernized yet. Is that what we should start with and, and think about like that prioritization? Because you're right, like if the artwork form was not React, like we would we have a problem because we use, we, we build new stuff and change stuff in that form literally every single day. So it makes sense that why you guys made that decision. Cool. We are bumping up against time. I think this is a really interesting topic. This is like one of the fun things about working at a product shop is that you get to see choices and, and their effect over time and how things evolve. And so I think it'll be cool to continue like to talk about where Volt's at and how we view the choices made in the past and as things move forward. Any final thoughts, Matt or Anna? The other thing I was going to say is that I love that the way that we work at Artsy and rotating through different product teams and sort of touching different parts of our apps and different microservices, it's really cool to have this conversation with the two of you because I think John is sort of more like OG Volt and, you know, it's cool to hear about this decision with the artwork forum that I, you know, didn't have context on. And then Matt, who's been most recently sort of this carrier of the torch in Volt and onboarded me to, to Volt. And then now I'm sort of the newer member and I'm sort of coming up with this plan of what's the future of Volt. So it, I think that that's something, and we all work on the same company on the same broader engineering team, but we sort of shift our, our focuses and, there's still a lot of investment and also just domain knowledge to be shared across different product teams. So it's definitely been really fun to work on this project and get insights from you guys and others who've worked on the project in the past. So thank you. Yeah, there's a lot of like generational knowledge about Volt and systems like it that gets passed around. You know, John taught me a lot. I got to teach some of that to Anna. It's just kind of how it goes. So thanks for talking about it, y'all. Awesome. Thanks for listening. We will continue to update the audience on the evolution of Volt. And um, until next time, have a good day. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Twitter at Artsy Open Source. Keep up with our blog at artsy.github.io. This episode was produced by Asia Simpson. And thank you, Eve Essex, for our theme music. 
You can find her on all major streaming platforms. Until next time, this is Artsy Engineering Radio.